Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Hello lads, how are you today? I'm I'm okay. That's I'm good. more concerned with how you are, Adam. Yeah. I feel amazing. Always great. I I am heartbroken. No, I'm I feel like crap today. I'm not gonna lie. I what has the last 24 hours been for Adam. So at this time yesterday, I was getting ready to go to the viewing party at the Bell Center. I had hope. I had enthusiasm. I had spent the day trying to find my exact entrance because I thought it was the entrance L. There was no L, but there was I, and I hate the way that some people don't put the little uh, dot on the top of I, so that was a little embarrassing. There were some large, very large staircases around the Bell Center, which I went up and down multiple times. Um and then my team got eliminated in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, so it's not great. It's not great at all. It feels terrible. I don't want to do the show today, but I am for the people. Um, but I think before we get into that, I think my moping and pissing, and I don't even like, – that's nothing. Um, the Cup is a big story, but uh, I don't think it's anything – I think the biggest story of this week, no matter what um, – Mattis Kislenix, the Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender who passed away earlier in the week. Um, some incidents with some fireworks. We're not going to go too much into the exact details because uh, I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, but we talk, we like talking about important stuff. And what's important is, you know, we send our well wishes. We send our regards to the family. Um, you know what? We talked about this a lot with, when Walter Gretzky passed away. Uh, you see a man's legacy or a person's legacy when they're gone and you see what people say about them. And um, the enthusiasm that Kivzonix seemed to have had um, from teammates of like Joss Anderson, um, David Savard, the statements from uh, Merz Lincolns and Nick Foligno, uh, you can tell just how much of a great, I want to say young man, because I think he's, he was only, I think he was very young. Couldn't have been more than 24, I want to say. Off the he top was 24, of my head. yeah. 24. Um, far too young. Um, and just, yeah, again, condolences to the family. It's just a, a crappy situation. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it really sucks. And I think it's so unfortunate, but it's time, like, it's events like these that remind sports fans that these guys are humans, man. Mm -hmm. There's more than just the guys on the ice or the guys on the court. Like there are people off the ice, off the court or whatever sport they may be playing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you could see that, especially with Merz Lincoln's Um, apparently the word out of Columbus has been like, that family of Merz Lincoln's and Kizonics were very much, it was almost like a brother dynamic. So um, it's, and from here, it's, it's a hard turn always from going from a tragedy to this silly thing we love called hockey. Um, but we're going to do it. Um, and starting off, yeah, it's happened. Uh, the 2021 Stanley cup champions back to back years. It's the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, 
I, 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 I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was the moment on the, the, the Jumbotron, they showed Gary Batman show up with a con smite. I left the building. Um, I haven't watched it. I've barely watched much of the Habs pressers afterwards. Um, I took a video of them celebrating after the game, just to remember the pain and to delete the footage once Montreal eventually do the thing themselves. But I don't know. I don't know what to say, guys. This is uh, this is a feeling of, of of hollowness, of despair. This sucks. This absolutely I, yeah. sucks. Yeah. No. It uh, like even from an outside outside perspective, it's you were it's you were so close, but it's like you just missed it. Is the feel? It, I think that's the way I would describe that feeling. And and I I caught. I didn't watch all of them, uh, but I did catch some of the pressers from the guys, and like you could see it on their faces, especially the the um, the older guys in Weber and in Price, and you know, they they said the cliche things, but like I actually felt that they believed it. When Carey Price is like, "This is my fault," and Weber says, "No, it's not." Right. Like it's. You saw like the clip, like you saw Gallagher cry. Um, What scumbags, whoever burglarized him, we saw that came out today. Yeah. Um, What a loser. I I, like that's just that. That's a guy that Brendan Gallagher, I tweeted this last night. He's more than the heartbeat of the Montreal Canadiens, he's almost the heartbeat of the whole of Montreal. We looked before, must have been game three. When he was during the national anthem, they cut to Brendan Gallagher and he's singing the anthem in French with the crowd. Um, that's the type of guy he is. Um, that's, that's, they were a team. They were, it sounds so silly to say, but we always think of that Pierre Dorian line. Well, we're a team. But in this case, um, I don't think you can sit there and call out the Habs for their effort. Um, no. Oh, we know now that some of them, at least Toffoli has a groin injury, which explains a lot with the way he played in the finals. Gallagher has a groin and other things, apparently, as all Ducharme said. We know Jeff Petrie needs surgery. Shea Weber is, I don't know how many good fingers and thumbs he has. Um, but this did, is. Sorry, hmm? does Jeff Petrie need uh, surgery on his, like on his hand? Is that what it was or something? They else? were. So all Ducharme said was it was something in his hand, but the report initially was it was the dislocated fingers that required surgery, mm-hmm. but he could play, you know, hockey players playing. Like, yeah. hello. Uh, what, what, what was it Alex Kaloran has? Uh, let's see if I can find it. it oh, was, the tibia. It was, a, it was like a broken tibia. He had yeah. surgery. They put a rod in it. And he's like, yeah, I really wanted to play. I'm like, my God. Like he went into the, uh, yeah, like the early skates and then he's like, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Broken fibula. That's anything that sounds like a, like a fibula. Like, what is this? Where is that? Uh, Daniel. Uh, isn't it like near your leg? That's terrifying. Yeah. It's in your leg, right? Uh, it's, uh, is that it, the really big bone? It's the, it's, I, uh, in, it's in front of your, it's either in front or beside your fibula. Again, like we're not doctors or no, no. Like we didn't take anatomy. We're in journalism. Yeah, we didn't take <laughs> like clearly showing that right now. Yeah, it's amazing that he even came back for that one game alone. It was like, hey, there, I'm gonna try and put. No, no, you were not, sir. No. Uh, hockey players. It's the finals, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like they, the Canadians, they really kind of did bring it 
to their all in terms of what's going on with the injuries. And it, it was weird. I don't think I'd ever see in my life Shea Weber cry. Yeah. <laughs> and no, like that, 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 that really felt like I felt that one yeah. where it's a guy where he's, he's considered like a stoic guy where he's someone where like, I'm all business and all that. And it, it hurt me more than like, I thought it would because it's just that realization where it's a guy that you've, you've, you followed his entire career for so long and they keep reminding you that, yeah, he was drafted in 2003 and this is the first time he got through the conference. He got to the conference finals and then he got to the finals. That sucks, man. That's, and that guy like Shea Weber, like looking back at game four, like he turned it on, man. You know, that's a, that's a player who along with those other members of the top four, picked up the slack for an entire pairing and was playing what on a bad night, 25 minutes. Ah, man. Looking at Tampa Bay though. uh, I, I, yeah, great. But they, they, they really, I'm bitter. I know, but they do something that has only been done once in the cap era. And that's back to back Stanley cup wins. They joined the penguins in doing that. Um, and what might be the best team we've seen in the cap era as well. And are they over the cap? Yeah. Sucks. I, who cares? They did it. I don't care. Like, whatever. So Martin St. Louis said, like, this is the best team. I liked that Martin St. Louis was giving credit to Montreal when the commissioner doesn't even mention it. Like, every, he does every other year about the team that loses. Not to the Canadian team, though. No. I saw a comparison. Could you imagine if the – if um. The MLB commissioner dunked on the Yankees. <laughs> like, hi there. I know want, Batman hates Canada, but two of your most important teams are Canadian. Do you want to know the final numbers? They actually just released it for the finals. Uh, this the is from, yeah, from Sportsnet. The, the U.S. ratings or the Sportsnet ones exactly? The, the Sportsnet ones. Okay, sure. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, so what, the, what does this mean? So uh, approximately the playoffs reached 26 million viewers across Sportsnet, CBC, and TVA Sports, which is 70% of the Canadian population. Wow. Um, average viewers per game year on year is up 51%. The overall playoffs is up 73%. You know, and and I'm, I know people will say, yeah, what about the U.S. numbers? I I just, I I get if you're mad if the Jets were to make it. It's just, I I don't think it's a good look. And Batman's not going to forget. Like, if he makes very few public appearances throughout the year. And we know when Gary Batman talks, he means every word he he says. He means it. And I I think it's a terrible look. A terrible one when your commissioner purposely does not say anything about one of your most important franchises. I know he hates the North Division. Again, we all saw that press conference when the Jets came back. He, I know he hates Canada, but, I mean, try and hide it, Gary. Like, I, I think before, we, the three of us, have been very complimentary of Batman with what he did yeah. in the States. Um, the bubbles. But, like, at, at this point, I'm so bitter about this. I don't care anymore. When, and remember, the draft is again now in Montreal in 2022. They get their draft back. They're going to remember. I'm going to be at, at the draft, hopefully. I'm going to remember, and I'm hopefully, going to be with All three off. of us will be there. It's just like, like there's just a certain level of respect you need to have for a team that's won 24 titles 
and again, is the birthplace of freaking hockey. Now, just I don't need to go off because obviously you want to give respect to Tampa Bay, but I just I I can't with Batman anymore. I can't do it. Um, Are we all on the Will Baldwin trade of he's horrible? He texted me last, obviously, because we were chatting, and he's like, yeah. "If you want to bash Batman, I'll come on." So I'm like, "Okay, well, let's do it. Let's do it." All right. I've had. I think yeah. I've had a. Uh, I think I've had a large three uh, one eighty on Gary Batman. Like, I think. Because he will made a couple good points. He's like, yeah, but it's just going to grow, right? Like, what has he done specifically? Like, he's threw in franchises in random places. Now, he strategically picked Seattle and Vegas because they were available. Seattle should have happened years ago. Like, Vegas, getting into Vegas first was, like, the smartest thing the NHL has done in recent history. Oh, yeah. Um, same, with Se- same with Seattle. And then Arizona is, like, the dumbest thing. Still hasn't worked out. He's waiting all these years, but and then oh great, looks like first Doe never did anything, and now the next best player in OEL is on his way out. Uh, we'll talk about Batman a little later because he had an interview with Ron McLean going yeah. into Game Four. But the numbers for Games Four and Five are out, uh, yep. but it's kind of similar. The numbers for Games One to Three I have are similar to what they were last uh, last year. Uh huh. Uh, okay. Around around one and a half to two million. Okay, well, like honestly, I, you got to remember here is I think it will be good for the game in the states anyway that you have a back to back championship like in the states. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, what am I saying? You know what I mean? By a team, obviously, considering they've had every cup since '94. Yeah. Um, but going to ESPN, like that's something they can build on. Is you have the super team in that, like legit, they are a super team. Is the the, the closest thing we're ever gonna get, or since Detroit in the early 2000s, you could be, or like Colorado in the early 2000s too, more likely. Um, but Tampa Bay, focus on them. Sorry, yeah. Tampa. Except Kucherov, you're not getting an apology. Um, <laughs> We'll get to Kucherov in a second. We'll get to him. Um, Patrick Maroon, I think, is the first wicked story to talk about. You remember how he takes less money after his time in Edmonton to go to St. Louis, play in front of his kid, uh, wins there, goes to Tampa after not still not getting that sort of payday you expect for him to get, uh, wins there in the bubble, and then yet again signs cheap there for some trade protection like everyone does in Tampa, and he wins a third straight cup. I don't. Who was the last player to do that? I wonder to win three straight. Shaq and Kobe, probably in hockey. Yeah, I, yes, hockey. In, I in did hockey, not mean Kobe Bryant. In <laughs> hockey, I off the top of my head, it'd have to be the Islanders dynasty. Yeah, in the eighties. Um, but I, I, I can, I can try to find it. Like if there's a player that just hopped along, like oh, uh, may, maybe. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Hmm. So the Blues won in nineteen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a member of the Penguins who left and jumped on board with the Capitals? Because I know a lot of their players did it. That's someone I could think about. If, if maybe a member of the, the Penguins hopped over, like depending on maybe Carl Haglin, maybe uh, someone like that. So yeah. What I have here is these are names you definitely don't know. Like, okay. So I think this was pre expansion. Okay. Maroon joined, this is from sportingnews.com. Um, Maroon joined Ed Lidzenberger, Ab, Abe McDonald, and Eddie Gerard. That trio did it before expansion. That's, that's with two different teams. Wow. Uh, Maroon is the first. This is from NHLPR. Maroon mm-hmm. is the first player to win the Stanley Cup in three straight years 
since multiple players did so with the 1980s New York Islanders dynasty. Oh my god! Yeah, that's inc- that's a hell of a thing to like a hell of a feather in your cap. Wayne didn't do that then. Mario, obviously, you know, that's incredible, man. Good for him. Yeah. He's always been a good story, Patrick Maroon, I felt. He was like an up and down guy. I remember uh, he fit with the Ducks. He didn't yeah. want to, he didn't resign there. And then he becomes like one of those guys that are like, he should not be on the McDavid line. No. So, yeah. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Was Patrick Maroon not the guy Drew Dowdy ripped apart for being an AHLer? Was, he? was that Patrick Maroon? Oh. I'm going to look that up because if okay. not, all of a sudden Patrick Maroon has more cups than Drew Dowdy. <laughs> this is a hidden story. I didn't know. I all these Drew Dowdy things come what, out that I'm like, what? I know what you're talking about. It's that video of the chir- ice, the chirping going on during the game. I yeah. know. I just don't know if, it's, if it was him or not. I wonder how many times that happens. You know, like those chirps, those types of chirps. Oh, all the uh, time. It's all just the we time. never yeah. know about it. Austin Matthews. and Matt um, What's the other guy's name? Um, oh my oh, god, Scott Sabrin. Yes, yeah, so on the Leafs. Um, no, it happened. Matt Martin, there's a video of Matt Martin talking to someone. I don't know who he's talking to. It's when he plays for the island, when he was playing for the Islanders the first time around. And he's like, You've been in the A, you were in the AHL longer than I was. It's like, Yeah, <laughs> buddy, you suck at hockey. Yeah, buddy, you so suck at th- This is it. So someone left a comment end credit scene of this video. Maroon would go on to score 27 goals in 2017 with the Oilers. Sorry, yeah, in 2027, earning him contracts with the Blues and the Lightning, where he would win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Dowdy, who spent the last years of his prime with an extremely depleted and washed-up LA team, tripping his way to becoming the most average demon in the league. Oh, shout out to Sita Xe for this <laughs> comment on Buddy, you suck. It's like hockey. a that's like a hot take thing. I remember Domish's and he wrote about it, where it's like I'm gonna be like different from everybody else and pretend it's not 2016. Drew Doughty's not on my Olympic team. <laughs> it was a, um, yeah. Patrick Maroon that year finished sixth in scoring on the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> and do you know what's funny? He might be the best line mate that Connor McDavid has ever had besides Milan Lucci. Sorry, not besides. Honestly, Leon top three wingers McDavid's ever had besides Leon Dreisaitl might honestly be Patrick Maroon. <laughs> Like, goal-scoring-wise, I don't know if, if Lucic had more than 27 or he might have been all around there. Honestly, Patrick Maroon might be the best player McDavid's played with in the NHL. Lucic had 23, uh, 23. in his first year. And then Patrick Maroon, the hell. they should have kept him. They didn't put Eberle or Hall on, the McDavid, on McDavid, right? Uh, I don't think he – it was like, like Benoit Pouliot in his rookie oh year. Oh, my God. They kind of did what, like, Pittsburgh does with Crosby sometimes where they'll just throw him a line mate and then they'll do well. And it's like, it, how about you just give him a proper line mate? Was his rookie was was McDavid not on the line? I think his his rookie line was Benoit Pouliot and Neil Yakupov. Never forget Benoit Pouliot was a top five pick. And the Oilers. Um, okay, something else. Andre Vasilevsky yeah. gets the Con Smythe Trophy. I think honestly, with Tampa Bay, it's flip a coin. If if Braden Point hadn't like dried up in the in the finals. With his goal scoring, and credit to Phil to know there. Um, but if, if Braden Point had probably kept scoring, he probably would have gone to the concert. But I mean, Andre Vasilevsky in every game where the where Tampa would clinch a playoff advancement, shutout. 
my goodness, what a performance from the Russian goaltender. And yeah, it just goes back to the um, argument and John Cooper said it as well as kind of. Um, you're about to rip my heart out, Alex. I know <laughs> what you're about to say. Carey Price is the, is the goaltender of his generation. And I, I truly believe this series more than the series against Philadelphia was a passing of a torch moment. Not that I'm like, I'm not saying Carey Price is going to fall off the face of the earth. That's not the point I'm making, but it's, it's that this is the new generation, the generational goalie in Andre Vasilevsky. Why could Carter Hart have not been garbage this year? (laughs) I heard that. uh, I heard that in 2010. I remember that. What? But that one was already far fetched because they're not, they weren't young guys anymore. Well, well, 2006. That? Sorry, not 2010. 2006. What was that? When uh, in the Olympics, where it's like Luongo should start, not Martin Broder, and then they both were bad in Torino. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess before we keep going here, uh, we do have an action-packed show, so we might go a little kind of long here. Uh, I want to quickly look at both what Montreal and Tampa Bay have to do in the future, sure. aka. Um, Seattle and really their contract situation. We're going to start with Montreal here. Um, I am going to quickly screen share and I can get up uh, all of Montreal's, uh, as we would call it, their their cat-friendly stuff. So here we are. Here's the Montreal Canadiens, uh, cat-friendly. No, uh, why do I have an ad from the Edmonton and Jasper National Park? We're going to Edmonton, guys. (laughs) (laughs) What happened there? uh, We got to call Will. I don't think he'll be happy about that. No, he won't be. By the way, shout out to Montreal having uh, a lot of picks this draft. There you go, Birch. So if we look at Montreal in the expansion draft, you can probably guess that it's either going to be Jake Allen they're going to lose or maybe one of their defensemen, a.k.a. one of Edmondson and Chirot, because you have to protect Jeff Petrie, and they're probably going to protect Shea Weber because the loyalty that Birch has. And, I mean, he's at healthy, is still probably their best defenseman. Um, I was looking at this earlier today, and I kind of realized Montreal's forward group is that's like it's not in a terrible shape for expansion because I kind of realized I don't think they're going to protect Jonathan Druitt. Really? I feel, and this has been the point going across Habs Twitter, that maybe it's the best thing that Jonathan Druitt gets a new start somewhere. I'm yeah. not saying it would for sure be Seattle, but I would think that it, it's time for, and I think it's for Jonathan's own sake that he starts off somewhere new. Um, I'm not, again, I will never, ever, ever question the work ethic of Jonathan Druin. He gave his heart out every night. It's just, you sometimes you need a new change of scenery. And I, you know how hockey players are. The last thing I want for Jonathan Druin is to feel like he let the team down by not being available. He shouldn't be. It's not his fault. But you know how some people are going to be. Yeah. Oh, sorry, your mic. God damn it. Your mic. <laughs> um, I, I guess just... Even whether it's Seattle or not, or like if, if it's a different team, I, I think I think we've had this discussion before. Maybe the best start, um, a new team would be a good idea for Jonathan Druin. And I do think Seattle could be a really good fresh start for him. Like you're literally starting. There's no other team that's literally starting from scratch like mm-hmm. the Seattle Kraken. And I, that could be – because I don't know how high the expectations are going to be, obviously, depending on the te- what the team looks like after the expansion and the draft and et cetera. But 
even if they don't make the playoffs, it, it's not going to be the same as it is in a huge hockey market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think he came into Montreal with those expectations where, you know, and with the Lightning, they even said like, oh, watch out for this guy. Look how he's going to do. And then remember when he was doing so well in the playoffs for the Lightning when they finally brought him up again against the Penguins. And then comes into Montreal. It's a huge market. And they expected him to be that goal scoring guy that ever since Halifax or even during the World Juniors, like you just got to wait for Jonathan Druin. You just got to have to wait mm-hmm. and see what he's going to become. And I think that honestly, the pressure got to him. And even if he does remain with the Canadians, looking at who broke out, who was consistent, I can't see him in the top six anywhere. It, you know, it, it's kind of a shame when you, I was just thinking, I'm like, man, do you know who he, if you had a more, like, I don't know, if Phil Deneau had a bit more offense to him, and we'll talk about Phil Deneau's contract in the situation, would some sort of combination with a more, a more two, a, a more complete centerman, like a Jesperi Kakaniemi, we'll also get to, and then you can have the playmaking Jonathan and the goal scoring Caulfield. Unfortunately, though, Anderson, Toffoli, so not Anderson, Suzuki, and, Ca- and Caulfield are probably going to be Montreal's A line. I'm not calling them a first line because, you know, the way the Habs play, but that is probably going to be the A line next year. Not to mention, you also see if they keep Phil Deneau, that top line spot on the wing, Thomas Tatar is probably gone, yeah. which means Tyler Toffoli can split into that spot. And then it's, Ah, and who knows? Like, sorry, and then who knows some of the other guys? Like, like, where exactly is Jake Evans gonna exactly go here? Um, who do they bring in in the off season? Yeah, ah, it's it's it. There isn't a great spot for Jonathan Druin, unfortunately. I I just I had an idea on my drive home, and I I was te- I texted you about it afterwards about the Anderson the Anderson stuff. Yes, I I do think it's possible to keep Jonathan Druin in this lineup um, because if you want it, let's say you keep Philip Deneau, obviously we're assuming Tatar walks and, yeah, and that's, that's whatever funny. and stall walks. And I mean, you probably keep Perry, but like stall and um, stall and Tatar probably gone. If you make that third line or if whatever we're going to call it, that's like the, the line that Philip Deneau is on as you are shut down line, I could see, the top six being Anderson or Anderson um, Suzuki Caulfield, which if it doesn't get you plus five chemistry in NHL, there's something <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Um, and then you go something like Druen, Kotkaniemi, and Toffoli. Like that's get, not bad, actually. Man, there we go. This is the one thing I remember. We we spoke. We had a very heated discussion before the regular season about Phil Deneau. Um, yeah. The big problem Montreal might face is if there is salary. Because I, I also look at some of these guys and I think one of our me and Lekkonen stay. And I think it's Lekkonen because I think as a penalty killer, he's just too important. Right. Um, and I think a, maybe a young guy like like Ilonen is probably going to get that spot, I would imagine. Um and again, at the end of the day, Armia was part of that fourth line. And, you know, Byron has term. He'll be around. Um, they like Evans. Um, if if Deneau, if the money, and I think the, the way the playoffs went, um, like there there's, if that negotiation, if Bergeron wants to make sure he brings Phil back, yeah. then 
it makes sense to deal Druin for that cap and Druin maybe whether it is to shore up some depth or if it's to bring in a defenseman, maybe one who can work a second power play unit because we kind of need to work on that, please. Um, But man, it's, it's weird. Um, It's going to be, it's a very questionable off season for Montreal. There's a lot of stuff though. I don't think it's going to be as busy as Tampa Bay's. No, they'll figure it out. Now here's what's at the same time. So frustrating about Tampa Bay and how well this team is run. So let's look at the core. Andre Vasilevsky is locked up until the end of 2028. Yeah. Victor Hedman is locked up for four more years. McDonough, who if they capped, because there's been some word about maybe they trade him, still has some term at $6.7 million. Sergachev, two more years, 4.8. Cernak, who they could very loose the expansion draft, 2.9. 2.9. So even if you take away Cernak, their left side is still intact, okay? They will lose De- like Savard, but obviously we knew what that was going to happen. So then let's look at their forward four group, right? Their forward core group. Kucherov is yep. only 28 years old and has five more years at $9.5 million. Steven Stamkos, who it feels like is getting traded, because remember, now Adam Wild, no, no, so... Adam Wilde on the STP kind of threw this out there and yeah. everyone's probably thinking he's crazy. However, if you guys remember last summer, there was word that if Steven Stamkos was going to waive his no move clause, he was going to go to Vegas. Perhaps. I don't think the move for Vegas now would be, I think that's more a Nikel move. Yep. But I mean, are there worse kind of players to pick up if you're Seattle than Stevens? Like the marketability yeah. of Steven Stamkos is and only only eight point five million. Get out of here. Can I just say, ever since we when ever since sorry not we you said Jack Eichel to Vegas, I've nonstop heard that. I've been I, on that since the trade deadline. Trade, yeah. The trade deadline, I've been have, on that. I have nonstop heard about Vegas going after Jack Eichel. I'm just saying it started here. Exactly. Um, and Adam, by we the need way, one of your uh, mock drafts, like those four-way team drafts. We'll work on it. Give me a name and we can have that for next okay. episode. And sorry, okay. and, and just quickly, we, yeah. we still have some more core players with oh, some term, yeah, by the way. Braden Point has one more year left at $6.7 million. Pilot another year. Four more years for Yanni Gord. God damn it. Three more years of Tyler Johnson, but he's probably going to be gone. Sorelli, $4.8 million. And Kalorn, who could be moved, but still is $4.4 million. Patrick Maroon has another year at $900,000. And then you have some younger guys in there. Um, it's amazing that they are in this good position. However, Tampa are without a doubt taking a step back next year to... Still a cup contender, but not an abysmal sort of this is just not fair yeah. because they are losing whoever is their backup. I don't know if it's Christopher Gibson. I've never heard of that man before. Leafs legend. I think or it was uh, McElhaney. Or if it's Curtis McElhaney. Also I swear, legend. there was another goaltender I saw one of their lineup uh, cards. Yeah. Oh, Spencer Martin? Spencer their right side's going to take a hit, though. Like Yes. And in in this is... order of Luke Shen. Yep. David Savard. <laughs> and that, I mean, California's going to be an RFA. But, it, it, like, yeah. like, I will never forget that the deepest team at the moment in the cap era had David Savard at 30 years old 
on their third pairing for a million dollars. Come on. <laughs> the other players that they're probably going to lose is Barkley Goudreau. Yep. And I, I, oh man, I'll tell you guys, someone is going to overpay Blake Coleman five so much five. money. Simmons. Do you so think he gets Zach Hyman money? After that playoffs, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. He'll be worth it. But it's going to be bad eventually. Edmonton's going to overpay Anderson, Hyman, and uh, Blake Coleman all in the same summer. And Phil Deneau. <laughs> and Phil Deneau. <laughs> yeah. Even though they don't really need a center, but that's fine. No, I saw an article that was like, do the Oilers need a third-line center to help move the needle? And I was like, excuse me? I think they just need depth. <laughs> yeah, just- they gave up on Kyle Turris. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I That's remember kind of being over. like, good move, Edmonton. Good move. But, I mean, I, th- I think the big thing you kind of see there is, is, and I think the biggest detriment to Tampa is they're losing that third line. Um, that was the difference maker, especially against the Habs, was that third line. It was incredible. Um, they're going to – obviously, they have young guys. Like, they're going to fill in like because you hate, you hate Tampa because they're just like that. But there is a step back coming there. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's do an exercise here. Scroll. Can you scroll down to their uh, non-roster forwards? Um, their non-roster forwards. Okay. okay, so pick a. We're all gonna pick a guy who's gonna break out next year. Okay. All right. Okay. Does anyone want to go first? I'm um, taking Cole Kepke. Okay. That's... Cole Kopke. I don't know who that is, but he'll he'll run the Calder next year. Daniel, I will take Boris Kachuk. That's World junior pick. legend. That's a good pick. That's a Pretty good pick. Guy, yeah. I'm going to go with Jimmy Huntington. Jimmy Huntington. I saw that name and thought, that's not a bad name. Yeah, It's like, um, what's the guy? G- Gianni Fairbrother. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that well, name. Let's, let's put him in the dock and it's like, oh, and here, okay, guys, what do you think of Giovanni Fairbrother? Daniel, okay. he's got a cool name and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> he tanks the segment. It's like, I'm definitely, I'm very sure Daniel put that in there. By the way, uh, Taylor Radish is another guy. Yes. Well, I'm, pretty sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure I went to high school with him. No way. Pretty sure he went to the Mayfield Secondary <laughs> wow. School. Scotty was Mayfield? a really good. No, no, no. Taylor no, Radish. Taylor Radish. No, Taylor Scott Radish. Mayfield High School. No, 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 no. Not Scott Mayfield. Oh. Not Scott okay. Mayfield. Shout out to the high school that had a vice principal do blackface in my first year. He did get fired, by the way. Okay. That's he did bad. get fired. That It was not great. It was not great. Um. The worst part is it was kind of normal back then. Um, yeah, not great. You know who else needs a new contract that's going to be a bit of a concern, and I wonder if he's going to be upset because he was sat in the last two games of the, the cup final? Yes. You know, over, er- over Eric Stahl. Yes, Barry Kakanami. See, yeah. if you're just – if you're yes, Barry Kakanami, you've seen in the past few months your best friend got traded in Victor Mete. Um you didn't start the playoffs. God damn it. I still, I'm not over that. Um, he, the moment Dom Ducharme got back and behind the bench after um, Luke Richardson and all that, slashed his ice time, took him off the power play. And then in favor of keeping the washing machine line, as well as the regular season fourth line of Evans, like an Byron together, sat Jesperi Gok in the Emmy. Um, yeah. It's just you remember that stuff. Um, yeah. I don't think Yesberry Kokkinemi is is the same as Alex Galchenyuk. It's just 
you see this like overseas third overall centerman that the Habs have needed who has all this talent. Like, yes, Mary Kakiemi actually has a great defensive game. It's just, I can't help but think, just don't do this again. Yeah, the biggest difference is Alec, um, Jesperi Kakinami can play center. And, like, he doesn't seem to be yes. an issue outside of the ice. But Alex scored 30 goals. Oh, my God. Yeah, that one time. And what has he done since? Um, he he won the uh, the confidence you know, of Cal Dubis. What's yeah. funny is, is Alex Galchenyuk technically started that entire run for Montreal. Because it was his turnover in game... Five was it? Yeah, yeah. And game five started. Yeah, Damn. started everything. Um, Wait, what was the Dermot Spinorama? That was game six, right? That was a game. I was at that, and <laughs> and Yesperi Kakinemi had the game winner. Yeah, speaking of again, I just it's, remember um everyone in game seven, everyone's heart attack when he did it again, the Spinorama. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff, by the way, like I- I'm pretty sure, like it's obviously going to be a bridge type deal for like so many reasons. He wants to, like, he's not going to get his max value. You know, the cap sucks right now, but I, I wouldn't be surprised for some reason if Jesperi Kakinemi. This is I have obviously no reporting to support this, and I haven't read anything that's like that. And obviously, the wound is going to be extremely fresh for everyone. But I just have this feeling that um, he's either going to be a holdout or he's going to get traded. Like, I, like Ducharme obviously doesn't trash him in that, but it's just, I just have this really bad feeling. And I, I'm obviously not saying they should have traded him for Pierre-Luc Dubois because I, I don't want guys who quit mid-game on his team on the squad I cheer for, but I just, I don't know about Jesperi. And, and you know what, by the way, yeah, Thomas Tatar, like side note, like, yeah, he's like definitely great time as a hab. Yeah. But just like I saw people saying he should have been in the finals, and I get that. But he just saw how many teams need to sit Thomas Tatar deep in the playoffs for people to get that he's just not good in the playoffs. I know this is the second I, time this has happened. Here's my reasoning as to why he should have been in the finals is when I did them, if I did the math correctly, in five games, eight goals. And like I get, he's not great defensively, but the line of to if like was the line of Tatar, Dano, Gallagher not an extremely good line? It was until this year because Phil Dano had a like because it was terrible timing because it was him and Tatar. Okay. Um, Dano and Tatar were obviously awful the first half of the season, mm-hmm. um, and then the problem is the moment they took out Tatar is when they started winning. Uh, and then it was, I, yeah, man. Like for me, I would have thrown whatever I could. Be, like I don't know if Thomas Tatar would have worked. Like how much of a game changer that would have been. But I would have at least tried it. I thought of something funny. Yeah. Because you know that thing where people do when they say something to like there's too many questions going on for like a player or a certain thing that they start asking the questions that it, it eventually doesn't make any sense. Like when, like, you think about Thomas Tatar in the lineup, it's like, what is Thomas Tatar? Who is Thomas Tatar? And why is Thomas Tatar? Gentlemen, let's open the window to the past. Nikki Lauda said, you put a monkey in the car and he will drive it. And then Sebastian Vettel said, 
I start my car like a computer. For those of you who don't know, that's like the biggest meme question in like <laughs> F1 history. It's hilarious. It's honestly that question you have to do into three different tweets because it goes insane. Yeah. <laughs> the best part is Vettel. Can you repeat that? <laughs> what a great guy. What a great guy. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to talk about the finals and just, it, just it sucks. That's all I guess. It just sucks. I'm sad. Um, yeah, I think. And I'll be the optimist here again. Kucherov, yeah. We talked, yeah, we didn't talk about Kucherov yet. Yeah. But I think for Montreal that this is something you could still build on. I don't think they were a one and done team. Um, of course, yeah, this was a magical run, but don't stop there. Don't you know, like okay, if we're gonna if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna look back on the Mighty Ducks run where their biggest mistake was okay, I mean the biggest mistake was they lost Paul Korea. You can't really recover yeah. from that, but yeah. At the same time, they didn't do anything afterwards. Like, I mean, like they signed like an aging Sergey Fedorov to help with the offense. But I think Montreal's in a lot of a, like they're in a better state than the Ducks were the year after, where they have the opportunity to build on this. They have budding, developing players like Nick Suzuki, Esperi Kokinyemi, Carey Price is still amazing. The defense still held up despite the injuries. They just have to get better with scoring, and I think they could make another run. Daniel, you are the optimist of this podcast. Hey, I hope they can do it. I'm confident. Good team. Fun. By the way, why is it if you go on Twitter and, and mm. if this is something I've noticed very frequently, um, it happens with, with every fan base naturally, but the thing when there is a mecca um, with, with Leaf's Twitter. Um, yeah is if a Habs fan will tweet something about how proud they are of the Habs. Yeah. I'm not saying do a parade for coming in second. That's the oh, we'd have ever seen. Is a Habs fan be like, I'm proud of this team. And then yeah. someone will take the piss out of the regular season and the Habs being a fraud. Yeah. If you then go back to that Leafs fan who comes after you and you say, win a round, you loser. Yeah. And then it becomes, well, who said anything about the Leafs? When it's, it, it's just, it feels like, like there is this shield that they have. It's like, Oh, well, you're making about no because you came after me first. It's like to be to be fair that um, that is every fan base, right? I know, but it's just the meme of make it about the least. Well, you you make it about your team if you try and pop in. Like, I'm sorry that we lost in the Cup final and that you were down along the way, but like Jets fans aren't doing it. Vegas fans are because they're not real fans. But I said it. Gary Bettman's the only Vegas Golden Knights fan in existence. <laughs> And Daniel Negreanu. And um and um and uh Chris Lee. And Chris Lee. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. They say yeah. Mickey Rorick. No, Dan, Dan O'Rourke. Dan. Okay. Okay, last thing on Tampa actually, I forgot to mention. Nikita mm. Kucherov. Yeah. Um clearly welcoming has, Quebec. Had some no, he's no, he's not welcoming Quebec. <laughs> no, he is not. So um Nikita Kucherov after the game does his press conference, he's shirtless. Yeah. He's clearly had some beverages, which was instantly a sign of, oh, no, what's about to happen here? Fun fact, Dan Milstein, his agent, put a picture of him in the cup, and he says he sends warm regards to Montreal. Um, Kind regards, I think it was actually. Okay, listen. So Kudrov says a bunch of things. First off, he he says that that Vasilevsky should have won the Vesna. He's like, first off, he said a guy won it last year. He forgot it was Connor Hellebuck because he was drunk. Um, Said that they gave it to the guy in Vegas because he forgot who Marc-Andre Fleury was. Um, said he'd win it every year, but he's in a bad market, ignoring the fact that Vasilevsky has a Vesna trophy, by the way. Um, he should win it every year. 
I'm not I'm making fun of the fact that Kucherov spoke his mind because we have been so heavy on players showing their personality. Yeah. But what I have an issue with is when he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, Habs fans acting like they won the cup after game four and saying that the third round against Vegas was their cup final. So, well, I think that was talking. I've heard that before. Um, In 2014, that's what people said about uh, the Rangers didn't deserve to be in the finals. Well, because the Rangers didn't. They didn't. They, they did, did not. They, they did not. They did not. <laughs> what do you want? They didn't deserve to be. <laughs> yeah, but they like the what real they... finals were um the the Kings and Blackhawks. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, oh. that was a special time when it was like yeah. it was whoever won the West won the Cup. Mm-hmm. Right. Where Solid the, eight years. Where where the three California teams were incredible, except San Jose just couldn't couldn't do it. Um, and then like Arizona would win a conference final here and there. Yeah, so, I forgot Detroit was in the Western Conference. He, he, here's the, the issue I have, right, um, sure. with Kucherov. And, like, listen, if you dish it, you then have to – and that's only the key to Kucherov curse, what I have to say. You know, he right. might never know who I am. He, I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah. So, Don't say that. He's going to meet you eventually. But it's like – it's like I'm not criticizing him for speaking. Um, right. It's just that, you know, like I'm going to defend the city I freaking live in and the yeah. team I support. Here's the thing. I don't, it just, it kind of sounded like he was saying that the Habs fans are a joke because they cheered for the first cup, fi- like cup final game win in like 20 plus years. Like, I'm like, what's really funny is there's a, a reporter in, I, I forget exactly which, um, I can't remember her last name and which publications with her name is Chantal, um, French reporter. She's great. And she was at Amelie, outside Amelie Arena after Tampa had won the game. And there's, she's taking a video. It's completely empty. And by the way, the hurricane never hit Tampa. Really? Or if it did, it was very minor. Like, oh. the, the weather was fine. Like, Sean McKenzie was outside the arena. It wasn't super sunny, but it was more like an average summer day in, like, southern Ontario, I'd say. It was completely fine. There was no one around. There was no one. Absolutely. When like Montreal have these wicked watch parties, I just don't get Nikita Kucherov being like, Hey there, I'm going to rip a fan base because they celebrate like, uh, man, like say what you want. It's just like back off a bit. Like, sorry if the 3,500 crowd is louder than the full capacity of Emily arena. Uh, Here's the way I looked at it. Um, I like, I agree with what you're saying. Because someone, uh, someone, Jack Todd tweeted, and then someone oh, said, Todd. I kind of feel sorry for the guy. He'll never know what it's like to have, this is a reply, sorry. I kind of feel sorry for the guy. He will never know what it's like to have a fan base that cares about hockey and their hockey team like Montreal and in brackets he put, or Toronto. I don't know if he's a Toronto fan or whatever. Uh, he just won back-to-back cups, and uh, $8.5 million was deposited into his bank account last week. <laughs> He does not give no, a crap. Of course, not. of course not. He's like, okay, what am I spending that eight and a half million dollars on? Dan Milstein, here's your cut. And that was it. Yeah. No, but I get your point. I mean, it's yeah. It's just, like, it's just I, I don't hate care. Kucherov speaking. Anything Ahab would have said afterwards, I'd be like, okay. It's just, you know, leave yeah, my no. city alone. As a Montrealer, I'm like, okay. And here's the thing. 
any Hab who is having a bad stretch next season and there's a game against Tampa Bay, especially the first game Tampa will be in Montreal, if, if you're going after Kucherov, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. A 20-game goalless drought for Toffoli or Anderson because he goes 20 goal like games without scoring and he has like a hat trick because Anderson's jokes. If he goes after him, like whoever goes after Nikita Kucherov next year is instantly a fan favorite again. And I can't wait for it because you have to defend the city. You have to do it. Where are we predicting this? Um, see, you know what I would do um, mm-hmm. if I'm scheduling – and I, I knew I like if I had any sort of say in the entertainment is what you do is Tampa's the first game of the regular season. And you do this, like you start everyone else like the day after, because we're back to an even number of teams. The first game of the regular season has to be in Tampa Bay and it has to be Montreal in the arena. I'm a firm believer of having the team that lost have to see the banner go up. And then you have this wicked, just revenge game going on. And that's how you open the season. Or like if we're going back to this, like the regular season of 82 games, which sucks. But if we can have this series thing again, if you open the season next year with a series of Montreal, Tampa Bay, that is must watch television. And if that does not kick the Habs up the butt to start the season next year, it back in the Atlantic division, I don't know what will. I like that idea because the NBA does it all the time, but it's for their Christmas games. I hate Where, like, they playing Christmas, by the way. Yeah, but like other than that, like the the matchups is always like the teams from the previous final always go up against each other, and mm-hmm. it's always really exciting. So I like it's it is a different degree, but it's something where there's that similarity there, and I can kind of see it. And in terms of my prediction, I say I don't know. Everyone's I don't know. I the, the obvious answer is Brendan Gallagher going after him, but I'll say Nick Suzuki. I think it's Josh Anderson. Yeah. Hold on. While I just need to do something quickly. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you guys this question. Okay. Go ahead. Discuss. Steven Stamkos, will he or will he not be a Tampa Bay Lightning next year? I'll be back in a second. Um, I'll go first, I guess, if you don't mind, uh, Daniel. Yeah, no problem. Um, I think he will be a Tampa Bay Lightning next year. I think it's. I think it's not talked about enough of the influence he has in that room. He is captain for a reason. Um, uh, yes, he makes eight and a half million dollars towards the cap. And let's say you do trade Stephen Stamkos. Let's remember they are f- uh, four and a half million dollars over the cap. So they get three and a half million dollars. Like, I-, I think it's a last ditch effort to relieve yourselves of the cap, uh, relieve themselves of the cap issues. I also have my theory that Victor Hedman is going on LTIR, but that's for a different, that's for a different day. Um, but I, I just don't see the reason to trade Steven Stamkos. Like, I do think he has a presence beyond the off the ice as well. And I don't think he's – it's not like Jumbo Joe where you're bringing him in strictly for the, strictly for the off ice stuff. Like, the, he had 34 points in 38 games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did he not? Was he not injured? He was injured for for a good portion of the season, right? He always is, right? Yeah. Which is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't know because there's there's precedence here because the Lightning did buy out Vincent Lecavalier after like an okay season, but I guess that's a different instance because of the amount of years he still had on it. But I don't see them doing that with Stamkos because I think it's a different time when they bought out Lecavalier. They were still 
figuring out a lot of things. They were still trying to build on Stamkos and Hedman, but I think the way Stamkos has been is I agree with you with what he's had in terms of an influence with the locker room and the leadership group there. But at the same time, I think he's still producing. He's still okay. And he's really transitioned into the fact that he knows he's not the best player on the team anymore, but he still takes it like a champ. Like he does what he needs to do. Like I, 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 it it is weird because I remember those 50 goal seasons, but even now, like it still fits so well with what the lightning are still trying to, you know, even if they're going to take losses, what they're still going to try to do with this core. I'm surprised he didn't say he's going to go with Dougie Hamilton to Colorado oh, because they are still going all in. Uh, yeah, Colorado, fun team, eh? Uh, fun team to watch. On Jack Eichel? Col- Colorado? Or is that Seth Jones they're in on? Oh, Seth Jones. Seth, Seth, Seth Jones. Jones, Seth Jones. Like, Seth Jones. Oh, they're going to pull Kawhi with Seth Jones, though, just the one year. Probably. Uh, as long as they don't give up Sam Girard because people were saying that could be the price tag, and you're like, no, uh, do, nah. not, do not do that. Okay, a couple first, Connor Timmons. Eric Johnson. We'll Yo, if out. if you okay, if it was Timmons, I'm like, okay. It's yeah. just it's not any of the current big guys. Like no. get out of here. No. And sign McCarr first. Jesus. Yeah, let's, let's do it. What do you and, and Patrick Nemeth. And no, not Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you say Patrick Nemeth before Gabriel Landeskog? Shame uh, on you. Yeah, oh yeah, Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, Pretty important you. player. No, I want McKinnon yes. to be the captain. They're they're in well we all do. Best player. No, he's not the best player in the world. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Nate Schmidt. I had a transition there, but I forgot it and I've just said Nate Schmidt. How about this? Colorado are gonna have a busy off season. An interesting one, a headline filled one, kind of like the Vancouver Canucks. Because <laughs> it seems to be that Nate Schmidt is on his way out of Vancouver. Um, acquiring him last offseason was probably the sole bright spot of Vancouver's summer uh, after everyone left. Uh, the fit, the fit. Sorry, hasn't really been there. Elliot Friedman saying that he doesn't think there's been an official trade request. However, however, both sides seem to realize it's time to move on. And Nick Kiprios believes that the Canucks will try to send Nate Schmidt to Arizona in a potential Oliver Ekman Larson trade. This adding to the list, honestly, guys. Of we're gonna, we could have a lot of blockbusters this year. However, remember blockbusters. Let's Great. take a step back. And but, think about Blockbuster, the rental movie store. So it's just that if no. you're the Canucks, and I was texting Alex about this. So let's say you nail the Hughes and Pedersen contract extensions. Let's say they're three years each because comparables. Um, you know, 7.5 around there for each as well. Let's say you get that done, right? Yeah. Not to mention they're the same agent, so you could see the deals being very similar. You do some buyouts, whether it's Barchi, whether it's it's Erickson or uh, any of those guys, right? And by the way, the buyout window, the first one opens tomorrow, I believe. 11 tonight. 11 tonight. Okay, yeah. so by the way, uh, after today's show, the dominoes could start falling this offseason. Anyway, imagine being so- bought out like at 3 in the morning. Worst things have happened, I'm sure, to players. So imagine that the Canucks can do all of that. They buy out some players to get some cap relief, only to spend it all on Oliver on Oliver Ekman Larson. That's such a Vancouver move. I'm I'm not comparing these two players, but this is reeking of when Edmonton signed Connor McDavid for less because he they were going to give him more, and then they go spend it on some of it on Milan Lucic. 
Oh yeah, and that's why they traded Taylor Hall because they're like we're gonna get another left winger back anyways. Mm. Not the same, not exactly the same, but it kind of reeks of that. I don't think you're wrong. I it's just it's one of those moves where like Vancouver just can't stop getting in their own way here. Like is this is this the big move where it's like we're gonna try and win? It's we're going back to the Oliver Ekman Larson ball. Again, I, I, and I understand why. Like he had a bad season, and you can't just blame the team on that. He's had a a bad couple of seasons now. Yeah, like he'll be. Here's the the thing: if you can get some of the cap off, all Oliver Ekman Larson could really come over. And I don't know exactly who his partner would be because you're not putting him and Hughes together. That's just not smart to do. Ollie, you love you, Tyler Myers. Yeah, I guess like him and Myers, I guess could be a decent. Like he'll be good. Like he's still a top four defenseman. We yeah. know this. It's just at eight point. What is it? Eight point two around. It's around eight million dollars. No, thank you. No, thank you. Especially you have you have too many contracts to do for this window. Oliver Ekman Larson is going to be an anchor there. Like I'd be more comfortable if I'm a Vancouver fan. I don't know what Dougie Hamilton's price tag is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be near Dougie, um, near OELs. I have to imagine it's going to be somewhere near it. Yeah. Like he's, but I'd be more comfortable with them spending that cap on Dougie Hamilton than trading, trading Nate Schmidt away and then going out and having to spend more assets on acquiring OEL. Because, yes, his value may not be as high as what it was before he signed that contract, but it's not negative value. Like they're going to have to give something up and I'm sorry. I'm not comfortable. I wouldn't be comfortable giving up a first round pick knowing that the rest of the team is kind of like dry. Yeah, I agree with that. This is not the time. Well, we said it before so many times, this is not the time for Vancouver to do something, but they still did something, but it wasn't the right thing. What if, uh, you're Vancouver and you're like, I'm taking out a lot of money here. And maybe you obviously send some money the other way with Schmidt and try to work it out. Maybe some low salary guys because the, the Oats can take that back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe to kind of help sweeten taking Oliver Ekman Larson off your hands because they don't want to pay that money. They don't want to pay any of that kind of stuff. Maybe the, the Coyote sweeten the pot with a certain Connor Garland or Phil Kessel. One of the two. Oh. I could see Phil Castle. Like that's just Kessel the man. most Vancouver move ever. <laughs> I'm still on board for Kessel back to Toronto. I'm just saying. But Reuniting him with Tanner Pearson in Why Vancouver. Not? Yeah, man. Like, Let's do they, it. like, don't you think that they're like if you trade for OEL and let's say you sign those guys at seven and a half million each, and it probably could be more at that. That's about fifteen million. So you're you're going to have to match OEL salary to get like, and then you have to still sign depth pieces. Like that's why even bringing in Dougie Hamilton doesn't make sense. But if you're going after a defenseman, I'm more okay with Dougie Hamilton than I would be with OEL. Cause you're not giving up any assets, mm-hmm. maybe a fourth if it's a sign and trade, you know what I mean? Lads next up on the list, we're going to look at here. Um, so, by the way, these are this is from uh, Amanda Stein. Important dates with the 2021 20 sorry 2020 2021 NHL season complete. Busy couple of days. July 9th first buyout period begins at 11 p.m. today because you know 
she's a liar. Just kidding. Uh, the 17th is the protection list deadline. Uh, the 21st is the expansion draft. The 23rd is the first day of the draft. The 24th is rounds two through seven. The 28th is free agency. So it is going to be a busy couple of weeks around the NHL. Uh, first and foremost, though, we should talk about some more off-ice stuff. So before Game 4 in Montreal, Ron McLean had an interview with Gary Bettman. When I was younger, I loved when these two had interviews because I just thought it was, it was Ron just kind of poking Gary for answers. Um, this interview was a bit like, oh, God, this feels kind of childish at some points. Except for when it finishes and you realize that Ron McLean didn't poke about the Chicago situation at all. Uh, this garnered a lot, a lot of heat online. Now, Ron McLean came out with a quote. I saw The Athletic put this out. Quote, there were no topics off limits. I made the decision in the moment to not ask the question in brackets about the Chicago allegations. Um, there were pokes about officiating, about player safety, uh, the Olympics, which we'll get to in a second here. But what did you guys make of the interview besides the Ron saying a date and and Gary just like a child kind of saying, well, no, actually, it's this time away. Um, did you, it was a, I, I don't know about you guys. It felt like a bit of a juvenile interview to me. I wasn't entirely sure what was going on there. Uh, yeah. Just though from the article, it was from Sean Fitzgerald's article uh, from yeah. The Athletic. Um, like, I, I really think that the way that quote is written, uh, there were no topics off limits. I made the decision in the moment to not ask the question. Sounds to me like there was a discussion had about asking this question. Yeah. And then the decision was made, we're not going to ask the question. And for me, it's like, how do you not ask the question? Like, what's the, what's the thought process on not asking the, a question about it? Like, I said it when, when we had the discussion, like this is a topic that should be on like CBC or I don't know, like I, this is news. Like this is beyond sports. Um, I, I just, I don't see how you don't ask that. Like, I'm sorry. I get it's the Stanley cup final, but like, that's not a good enough excuse. I don't really think there is a good enough excuse in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of agreed. The interview the way it went, it sounded like a very PR piece in a way where when it came to even, you know, navigating through even the referee controversies, it just felt like they were softballs there that like they weren't really something where it's like, you know, I'm going to get into the heart of this. It was more of like, Hey, we got the commissioner here and let's do something about that. And I think Ron McLean's kind of decision not to talk about the Chicago thing where I really think he should have, because that's a big thing where, someone who literally is the commissioner you want on national television to address it in a certain way. I don't know what the, the, the answer would be, but it's definitely something where it is in the public interest. It is something that this is affecting the game, like in the way, like, and I'm not saying this is correct, but I kind of felt that it's another hockey culture kind of thing where let's just kind of keep things as they are, what we're used to. Let's just focus on the game and, these other issues, let's go over it later on. Let's not let's 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 try to add a degree of separation between the two. I find it interesting the stuff that Ron tends to focus on. Um, it, it feels like whenever he talks to Bettman, 
it feels like there's always talk about the refing. Um, like every time they have an interview together, it happens. There was a line when Ron McLean said, I find it difficult to defend the refs. And I kind of laughed because I'm like, I don't know about you, but it feels like I was watching a different broadcast at times because he does not criticize or defend. He just, well, he, he tries to defend them. He says it's a hard job, but the big thing in journalism is you always give both sides. And it feels like Sportsnet do not often, they are afraid to take the negative route with a lot of stuff to me. Um, and, you know, on, on the 31 Thoughts podcast that came out today, Friedman said that he talked, like, looks at some e, like ESPN stuff and things. Maybe we need to do more of that. Um, and I, I just think, you know what, there was a, a lost opportunity to talk to Gary. You know, Ron McLean, I think, needs to realize sometimes that um, that he's almost the voice of Canada when he talks to Gary. Right. No one else is going to have, like, if it is the cup final um you know, here in, in like Canada's our first appearance here since 2011, um, I felt like Ron had a responsibility to press Gary on a number of different topics, and uh, he didn't. Um, and I, I was disappointed with that, I'll say. Also, it, it, it's very frustrating on the side of the NHL that we're already getting signs that we're probably not going to the Olympics. Gary talked about just sort of there was insurance stuff, travel expense, stuff we've all we've heard before. Um, and it's going to be very disappointing if we don't go to the Olympics again. Uh, it's going to be a missed opportunity again. And um, it's not – Gary Bettman is so heavily focused on growing the game in the U.S. He misses the greater picture of, Gary, there's a whole world out there, and you're missing that market. Go look at – sorry, go ahead. Dan. Oh, no, it just, I was just going to mention, sorry, Alex, that – like, if it's going to be like Pyeongchang again, where at 2018, like, I didn't care for the All-Star game. Like, I no I know that's, cares I know, the, that's the thing. Game. That's the thing. No it's like, cares. that's that's one thing where they mentioned, like, oh, we're going to miss out on the revenue we have of the All-Star game or the recognition that players are going to get. But again, yeah, the bigger picture of this is you want to grow the game. And I remember Don Cherry talked about it. I'm sorry if I'm mentioning him here, but it's just one thing that he talked about with the Olympics. And I know the athletic kind of talked about it as well, where Don Cherry's like, no one's going to care watching these games that are happening like somewhere far away. But like, that's the thing. It's, it's not just Canadian viewers you're worried about during the Olympics. Like I'm going to admit, like, and people are still going to watch it. I think like, okay, from a personal experience i still watched in sochi even though you had to wake up at like four or five in the morning everyone watched those games and when you like kind of think about like you need the nhl players to go to asia yeah they missed the last olympics oh well, i guess um, and then who knows what's going to happen with the summer ones this year because mm-hmm. japan's in a state of emergency but we might have it i mean uh, you, you know, I, I love the Olympics as a spectacle. I think everyone does. And to not see the sport that I love so much at it with its best players available. Um, at the same time, I feel for the players because legacies are built at the Olympics. Um, no one will forget the golden goal ever. And it's a shame that McDavid has already missed and will, again, looks to miss another chance at sort of being in that platform. Um also, oh, yeah. go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, to go back to about, about Gary in a second. Okay. Um, no, just with like the Olympics are some of the most watched events in the world. Mm-hmm. In the world, man. Like every like 
okay, maybe not hockey specifically, but if you like to watch the Olympics just in general, you're probably going to watch hockey. And it would be in the benefit of the NHL if you really want to grow the game. And you guys, you mentioned it before. He's so focused on growing the game in the U.S. that he's forgotten about the other countries. Look at what the NBA is doing in growing in Asia. Look at what the NFL is doing. They're playing games in England. What's the, what's the, what's the NHL doing? Playing games in countries that are already that already have like hockey leagues that are some of the best in the world, like Sweden and Russia. Like the anomaly there was Germany, right? I think they played a couple games in Germany and sending Leon Dreisaitl, they're smart. But mm-hmm. you, if you want to grow the game, I truly believe sending your players to the Olympics is one of the best ways to do that. And based on the, the, what he said uh, with that, in that interview and even at the Stanley Cup, the before game one press conference, like your throat, like Will, Will tweeted it, you're throwing the players association under the bus here. You mm-hmm. agreed, you said you were more than happy to do this before, right? Like in the CBA, it seemed like, okay, we'll get the ball rolling on this. And now the same issues are coming up. So which one is it? Like make a decision here. Carrot on the end of the stick, man. Carrot on the end of the stick. Um, I, I just, man, popular commissioner, my friend. Something else that was very interesting about that interview. Uh, and again, Batman choosing his words carefully when asked about officiating. This is a team sport, he said. Which basically means, and we'll confirm, stars are not getting special treatment. So Connor McDavid, the best player, the guy who should be the face of your league, is going to get – it's not even like – because it's first off, it's a, it's a lie that the fact of – like it's like this is a fairly even playing field where no one gets the exception. It's not even that. It is the – the stars get punished for being stars. You know what I mean? Like there is, okay, if you don't want to call something that they can get away with, like LeBron traveling, okay. But then there is blatantly getting interfered with by three different players and hooked and slashed like Connor McDavid. And it's like, what are we doing here? It, it makes no sense. And I'm sorry. I think these refs are the worst in the world. Every time Will tells me that the NBA have worse refs, I'm just like, how? I this don't think so. Not real. Like, like watching the World Cup go England on Sunday, by the way, Alex. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Italy can just That's take fair. a hike. Um, That's fair. It's nice to know that, by the way, everyone in Canada seems to hate England, which is kind of funny. Anyway, um, if my home country lose the same week as the Habs, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, <laughs> where the joy in my life is going to come from anymore. Lego. But, um, hmm? Lego. I, I do love Lego. I am seeing my dog this bat. weekend. So. Send yeah, send the Batmobile. Is it done? It will be by my future self. Okay. Well, we should speed up here because uh, we've been going for a while and we still have some stuff to talk about. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, he's a pretty good player. It's really funny that he, uh, what's it, he's on the second last year of his eight-year deal already. I remember when he signed that. It was a, it was a big deal. He was really 40 goal scorer of Vlad Tarasenko. He's had a bad couple of years, um, some bad shoulder injuries. And apparently the root of this, this trade request is Vladimir Tarasenko isn't happy with the way, and this is from uh, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. Great guy. We don't know him, but we know he's a great guy. 
great writer. Um, seems cool. to say that Tarasenko isn't happy with the way that the Blues handled uh, Tarasenko's shoulder stuff. Um, I'm not going to go into the details because go read the article, people. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, but there is also a bit of mutual agreement that Tarasenko's play hasn't been great because he's been injured, and it's kind of time to part ways. This is a guy when healthy is apparently also they've changed his position on the power play to go to the net front when Vladimir Tarasenko is a one-timing deity. I, I, I told you guys this before. When I first got into hockey and I started liking players other than the Habs, the first few were Eric Carlson and Vlad Tarasenko. So right. I wonder, there were two things here. First off, what does this mean for the future of the Blues that they lose their captain last offseason and then they lose Vlad Tarasenko this year? Apparently, by the way, there is also some resentment in the fact that Tarasenko was not named captain and instead they were with Ryan O'Reilly. You have your thoughts on that. That is pretty scummy that they gave it to a guy who just got there. But to each his own. So first off, I'll ask Alex this question and Daniel, I'm going to ask you a different question in a second here. Alex, where do you see Tarasenko potentially landing? $7.5 million cap hit. Maybe a bit of a risk, but you know he's got lots of talent and a wicked shot and good hands too. So I just have this theory. I I just – my first thought was Anaheim, like just because he kind of fits – how old is Tarasenko? Let me just double check here. He's he's 29, but I can – it's a hockey deal. He's just outside of the range that – Bob Murray likes. I think Bob Murray was 23 to 20. (laughs) Um, But I I really think it's more whoever doesn't get Jack Eichel can get Vladimir Tarasenko. You know what? It's really funny that you mentioned Anaheim because they need more scoring and they want a hockey deal, which is exactly, that's a very good connection. Um, Them are the Kings. Sorry. Them Them are the Kings. I would. Ca- I think if they didn't get a echo, maybe. But I, I feel like that man Tarasenko would look good in that jersey. And Daniel, I will ask you this question because you were right about the Blues before Daniel, um, Alex, and I. I will admit it. Um, what does this mean for the Blues going forward? I think that you know it was just rumblings I I mentioned where like the way they were playing, the way that the depth was going, that this was not sustainable that they had that Stanley cup high and then they didn't really do much afterwards for it. Like I still don't understand the Justin Falk trade. Like I still no one don't does. get it. And I think that was one of like the biggest cracks I think they had on it because it kind of disillusioned your captain. That's one, one thing for sure. And um, I think again, like that's destabilized a lot of it, the leadership group, um, Ryan O'Reilly, and I don't know the guy personally, but I don't think he has the same sway as Alex Petrangelo, especially for that team, for a guy that was drafted by them, that grew with them in the organization. And I think now with Tarasenko, is like, again, I've mentioned him on the podcast before, but it is this is the same thing unfolding like Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Where they didn't handle the injury properly, and then he wants out in his final year. And I, I don't know what the Blues are going to do because now – you're looking at another core guy that you developed that you drafted that wants to leave that Mm. you're going to leave yourself with like your core forwards now are going to be guys that you got via trades that you got guys that they haven't been there forever. And I think that I I, I don't know. I don't know what the blues are going to be. I think that they're going to become 
a team like Nashville territory where there's going to have these big contracts, but they're going to have these guys that underperform because when we looked at what they had, what happened to them in the last season or what happened to them in the playoffs, like who did we mention was their top scorer despite all those big contracts? It was David Perron. Right. Yeah. That one keeps surprising me. Um, One issue that might plague this deal is Tarasenko. Um, He's making money, AKA, He's making actual cash, uh, and there's a lot of it next season, apparently. Oof. Uh, um, the, the thing, just to build off Daniel's point real quick, like with what, they're, what they are, I think their decor is set up in a, in a decent way. It's just that they're forwards. It's like, what are we doing? Like you got Falk, Crew, Pareko, Scandella, and Vince Dunn. I don't know if Vince Dunn's going to be there. He really should, but their choice. And then it's O'Reilly, Shen, Perron, Sammy Blay, Kyle Clifford, and Vlad Tarasenko and Mackenzie McCurkin. I said that right. Those are the guys that are signed right now. Mm-hmm. And you have Barbashev, Sanford, Kairou, and Thomas, who are RFAs. And then Hoffman, Bozak, and Jaden Schwartz, who are UFAs. I don't like it, like, Doug. I don't like it. All right, to wrap up here, we got three more points. I will – I, okay, so here, here's the plan. I will, ask, I will ask Alex about Dermot. I will yep. ask Daniel about Eklund. And then for um, Drieger, we're going to do something a little fun. So first off, Alex, yeah. the Leafs. Have signed Travis Dermott. It's a two-year deal. It's worth three million dollars. The AAV is a one point five million dollar contract. Um, it is basically a comparable to a lot of kind of defensemen around his age. Uh, think Flurry. Think those kind of guys. Um, yeah. And to you, I wonder: is this kind of? I wonder if Toronto signed this deal, kind of having in mind that okay, it is Kerfoot getting claimed here. I I think they signed this deal and I'm looking at the math here because we're, you know, math experts. Um, six it, plus six is 12. <laughs> to do the four and four, you need to have one defenseman exposed beyond uh, like they need to be oh, extended. Right. Have, so, okay. Okay. So they don't other like Bogosian's not Hutton's not and Calais Rosen is not. So it's just there Travis Dermott. Um which now that he's extended, it makes him the exposure requirement. I, okay. I think this leans more towards the idea that they're going to do four and four. I think it was rather than protecting Alex Kerfoot, which is unfortunate. Like Alex Kerfoot will probably get claimed. And he was also the second best player uh, for the Leafs mm-hmm. in this, in their one series again. Um, so it's going to be a guy they have to replace and we'll see how they do it. But I guess it does open up three and a half million dollars of cap and allows them to keep Travis Dermott. Like I just really think the four and four is the way that this team goes. So, and then that way, if it's the fourth defenseman, yeah, then and so, and then yeah, Dermott needs to be exposed or Hull, but I just can't or, see them. So yeah, that, that's what I, I would think if you're doing the four and four, then that's like, okay, good. We keep Justin Hall because if I was Seattle, I'd be like, I want Justin Hall because of that cap. It. It's right. sexy, sexy <laughs> stuff. Um, Daniel, some draft stuff. Owen Power, we know is leaning towards going back to Michigan. 
because he wants to go back to school instead of playing the NHL. He's going to call Adam Fox calling playing him now. Buffalo. No, I'm not. He won't. Yeah, because he's like, oh, my first year university was online. I want to go back instead of getting millions of dollars in the NHL. Oh, no. What am I doing? No, I'm so – apparently, William Eklund, who is another very highly skilled prospect who – okay, I just want to tell people listening – if you look at the projected list for the draft this year, like look at it, like understand it, but read like three more because they're all going to be different. Um, right. I've seen some people say this guy is the number one skater coming out of Europe. I've seen some people have him first overall, um, but he's another prospect at the top of the list here joining Owen Power that he has confirmed Eklund he's going back to the SHL. Yeah. Man, Daniel, no one wants to play in Buffalo, do they? Huh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, for one thing, I'd like to say congrats to William Eklund. He has won the E.J. McGuire Award of Excellence. What is that? Uh, for a prospect from Sweden honored for character, competitiveness, and athleticism. Oh, nice guy. A guy yeah. Buffalo could really use. <laughs> I mean, like, why, why not? In a way, like, why not just kind of go back? Because it has been a why weird not? season. <laughs> it's been in flux. Um like honestly, like when we when we talk about like a lot of scouts, like I'm looking at a scouting report right now, and they're compare like even the real junior coach, uh, Thomas Munton, even said that he has had a better year than Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz, and he has comparables to like a Philip Forsberg or the highest is like a Henrik Zetterberg, and you know it, it it's again like what we're talking about like we don't know what this draft's gonna be like, but I think that if I were him as well. I would still kind of go back as at the same time because it's been such an unconventional time for really everything in this world at this point that why not go for a full season again and just try to improve? Like he's going to get drafted regardless. It's going to be there, the opportunities, but I think in his heart, he kind of knows that he's not ready for a top six position and the way he's built, he's five foot 10 and less than I think like a hundred 80 pounds like he he definitely cannot play a bottom six role you know i remember reading something about him playing with halts or something um whether it was it was overseas or a guy that maybe new jersey could if if they don't trade that pay for the defenseman they want that those two could have some swedish energy i don't know um but the devils man the devils devils okay um, Pierre Lebrun had a little bit of a uh, little bit of little bit of content to spill out. Honestly, listeners, before last night, the document was bare. It was not looking great. But today, the rumors are afloat. So Pierre Lebrun has a little nugget saying that apparently teams are calling the Panthers about unrestricted free agent Chris Drieger, who I thought was an RFA like all year. What happened there? Was it games played? We don't know. Anyway, though, teams are calling ahead of maybe Seattle, maybe it's just some shenanigans, because listen, if you think he's good enough to be a starter, uh, who cares? I love when I look up the NHL standings and the search result gives you like blue fireworks because it's Tampa and I can't escape the sadness. So I'm going to list a team okay. and you're going to tell me, do they need a goaltender? And could they be interested in Chris Drieger? Okay. Okay. We will start in the North Division. Okay. Starting at the bottom to the top. Okay. The Canucks. Okay. No. Uh, no. No. The Sens. Yes. No, I don't think so. They, listen, they need a better goalie than Matt Murray, but they have a bunch of young guys, right? Right. Uh, the Flames. 
they can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. They, they're stuck with Markstrom. Uh, Montreal, no. No. Unless, you know, like they lose Allen, but no, no. Uh, Winnipeg? Uh, maybe if they the right price, the right price for like a really good bet. No, they mean like defense. The Oilers? Yes. 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 Like yes. yes. Yes twice. Toronto. I uh, kind yes. of. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. why, why only kind of, Daniel? Uh money, um assets. You know what? I think they're I, still figuring that out. I wonder if there's a team out there that just completely overpays Drieger because like what does his sample size really say? Yeah, the Ducks, you have more important things to worry about. The yeah, Ducks. you have John Gibson. You're okay. The Sharks. They could use a goalie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. they just can't afford it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Kings are kind of stuck with Quick, but then Peterson's pretty Peterson, good. Yeah. Um, the Coyotes will have Kemper and Aiden Hill, so they're fine. St. Louis need a backup. If they can shed Tarasenko's salary, maybe. I could, I could but... see Drieger going there and just supplanting like Bimington or like pushing <laughs> Bimington to at least play better. I feel like you're only saying that because you want Bimington out the starter net. <laughs> Remember, I'm like his number one fan on the show. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just the last two years have been rough. Minnesota. No. no. Well, no. I'll, let, I'll let the uh, expert. Say. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Kakinen and Talbot, right? Exactly. That's fine. Uh, Vegas? No. No, 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 no. High Vesna Trophy winner. And the, the, the guys who have a Vesna Trophy winner and want to trade him. Yeah. Colorado? Uh, depending on what happens with Grubauer. If they lose Grubauer, then I can see them going after Chris Drieger. Buffalo, no. They're, he doesn't. They could use him. He's not going to Buffalo. Yeah, he doesn't gonna say no. Sorry. Um, New Jersey are young, a decent, mm. maybe a tandem with Blackwood, even though they just signed Wedgwood, but who cares? Yeah, I could see them. I, I, I don't think want them yes. to ruin that tandem name, though. If you want a young guy to maybe make Carter Hart sweat, Philly. Ooh. I don't think it's their first priority because of defense, right? But Well, they'll um, be acquiring Seth Jones this summer. So, so Freeman said it, they're only going after Jones. Yeah. This was today. Yeah. If he commits to them, which I think is interesting. Um, the Rangers and the Islanders are fine. We can agree with that. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. Boston. Oh. So we know Rask will be out the first, what, few months of the season. Yeah. You're we'll ne- be back to the new year. We don't know. Like, there's going to be Yaroslav Halak who also is a UFA. and He's coming to Montreal when well, Allen gets claimed. <laughs> And what are you going to do? You're going to have Jeremy Swayman and Dan Dan Vlader as your. Those are amazing guys. names, by the way. They are amazing names, but I like I could see them bringing Chris Drieger and then having one of those two guys. And once Rask is back, there you go. There's your tandem. So if Samsonov is going to be the guy, I don't know if they want an upgrade on Copley or Vanacek or maybe if Lundqvist is good to go. But the Caps, I think they're. I don't know how much money the Caps are going to have. Like, if they lose Evgeny, maybe. But I'm not sold on if that's what the Caps would do. You know what I mean? I just – I think they, like – they could have addressed that, and they kind of did, obviously, in Lundqvist. But I do think Van, uh, Vanacek or Copley is what they're going to do. Here's the big one. Let's hear it. If they don't make a move to get Flurry back. 
Pittsburgh need a goalie. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. They desperately need a goalie. Uh, they do every every day. Samuel Poulain. Exactly. Um, Chris Trieger. Exactly. Even if it's yeah. just the rights, we, we Here, appreciate we'll, it. We'll give you a prospect for the rights. Our best prospect. <laughs> okay. um, I'm not going to mention the last place central team for obvious reasons. Um, Who's Detroit. The last Who's the last it's, place? It's Columbus. I don't want to oh, ask. It. Yeah. No. Um, Detroit. Yeah. Man, I don't know what Detroit are going to do this off season. Like, are they going to like, like what did Detroit even do? Besides go get Tyler Johnson because we know it's going to happen. So they have two first round picks, two, uh, three second round picks, two third round picks, two fourth round picks, two fifth round picks, a sixth, no seventh. Um, so they'll also have Tampa Bay's first round pick for next year when they trade for Tyler Johnson. Um, or the seventh, like I don't know who knows at this point. Steve Eisenman. Yeah, good, good guy. See the thing. The thing with the Red Wings is I don't know what they are because I think it was a couple months ago Eisenman came out and pretty much said, "Yeah, the rebuild's going to take longer than we thought." And it's like, well, wait a second. I'm like, I thought Steve Eisen Eisenman was going to be making moves. Yeah. Like Verana's traded for even more picks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. The Blackhawks need to figure out Lincoln and. Who knows what's going on with Ben Bishop? But let's just say the stars are healthy. No, um, Nashville. They want let's say Rene retires, and then like they want to go Soros and Drieger, maybe. Don't they have um? What's his name again? They they yes, have Staro. <laughs> no, um, what's his name again? Connor, Connor Ingram. Ingram. Oh yeah. Okay, never mind that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah the guy was caught in an illegal gambling game or something. Yeah. Was that yeah. him? Well, like was he, he was throwing games. Yeah, it was him and Grunstrom on that team. Uh, Tampa never count them out. They could do it. I wouldn't be surprised. Off uh, Florida, no, no, he's leaving. <laughs> yes. yes, Carolina. That's yeah. an. It is an option. If yeah. like the thing with Carolina is they're they're probably going to do this tandem thing again, and it's mm-hmm. like, guys, just have you. They need to have a goalie that they trust as a number one but still have a good enough backup and i think that's what has been their issue for the last couple of years and why i think we were all on board with them going after leonard obviously that didn't work out but they just need an actual goaltender and i don't know if i trust alex Nijelkovic yet feels like they would probably hope that Nadelkovic is going to be as good as Drieger. Um, right. But, I mean, just get good goalie. By the way, Tampa, I, I do think people are talking about that they're going to go and get their better backup because what you have to realize about Vasilevsky, he is young. Um, we're going back to a normal 82-game series, and you, you kind of realize what how long the freaking playoffs – like. Guys, like I think we all know this. The Leaf series feels like forever ago with Montreal. I feel like I've aged three years. And so we've got to realize, like, how many deep runs Tampa have gone on. I think they need to get a quality backup goaltender for Vasilevsky. I, I think that's a big priority for them, um, and also probably why Winnipeg should look at it. Okay, um, if lads just want to quickly go on Twitter, see if we're going to miss every anything. Can't wait for Eichel to get traded to Montreal after this. But they have Winnipeg has Laurent Brassois. Remember we no one, at, no one cares about Laurent Pessois. No, but remember we even looked at his numbers and they were like pretty decent for yeah. a backup. And it's like, okay, Paul Maurice, you're not playing Vili Hinola and you're not playing 
uh, Laurent Brassois. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> so before we go, I want to say one thing. Yeah, um, and this is to anyone who has the chance to go to a viewing party uh, for a playoff game at like your home oh. arena when your team are away. <laughs> um, yeah. So they were selling the tickets for the games at the Bell Center. It would t- ten to bucks a pop to go watch the game at the Bell Center. Um, pro tip: go to the two hundred levels because you get a perfect view of the jumbotron. Loudest building I've ever been to. Dwarfs a playoff atmosphere there at the Bell Center. It was well, it was mostly full of drunken teenagers, naturally. Right. But and I did see some beer fly, which is kind of annoying, and some young people, very much young people. I'm 21, right. and like them trashing Toffoli wasn't happy with that. But like the noise, because it's much more like you also get like families that normally aren't going to pay a thousand dollars to go shell out tickets to bring their whole family. Right. It's just a really, really fun time and loud buildings, chants. Um, I just think if you and again, I'm saying that like I've been to I've been to games before. Um. I recommend to anyone who can get a chance to go see one of these games out of viewing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. T- two things. I thought you were going to bring up our viewing parties. I'm like, I don't think anyone else should be involved in those. Uh, <laughs> no one else should be involved in those calls. It's just the three of us. They'll be back if soon. You're ever, if you're ever, Daniel ever wants to join. Two, I honestly can see teams post-pandemic doing the viewing parties. Because I think, number one, they have lost – a bit of money and i think it's a great way to generate revenue and it's also just a cool experience i don't know why more teams don't do it more often like even like normally like as the the playoffs go on longer you might normally yes. see it but you can just make a quick like i like 10 bucks a pop to fill out an arena you can do it super easily i don't get why more teams don't do it um yeah, i don't understand awesome. it at all um really you can you can make some buck up like if you're arizona and you do that you can pay your player signing go. bonuses. There we go. Then we don't have to talk about Arizona every other episode doing something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who cares, the Canadians will have their season-ending media availabilities tomorrow at 10.15. Um, Ducharme will speak at 3, Bergevin at 3.30. So um, that will be sad. I'm sure we'll talk about it next episode. I, I don't know. It, listen, I don't know how long it's going to take me to actually watch them because of the pain. Um, but yeah, um, I'm sure your guys will at least be honest and truthful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what's really kind of cool, by the way, um, I've purposely not talked about Carrie price a ton today because I like emotionally can't take it. Um, good on him and Perry for shaking the ref's hands after the game. I thought that was, Mm -hmm. that was very classful of them. And that Carrie price was, was the guy going to every player after the game and patting everyone on the back and being like, it's all right guys. You know? Yeah. This is why goalies should be allowed to be captains. What a great guy. Um, what a great guy. I still Karen don't Price. understand that rule. Because the lie. league, are, this is a dumb league. Led, I just, it's, a, it's a dumb league. It is a, it is a, the NHL is Bush League. Bush League. It, it, is, it is a niche sport. It's, it's a great sport, but it is, it is a terrible league. I saw, who was it? I, I think it may have been one of the people on Staff and Graph were like, I love hockey, but boy, am I sick of the NHL. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 it's just, it's so true. It's so, so true. But that's everything for today. Next time we see you, I can't imagine that there isn't some significant developments around the league next time we record. You know, we um, say that, but every, I, every I have year. to believe it. I have to believe it. This has to be the summer. It has <laughs> to be it. 
I can't wait for the Flames to not trade a single core piece this offseason. Because you know they're not going to because they suck. Anyway. And Nashville. uh, And Nashville. Oh, well, voice ad, fantastic platform for the show. As always, check out everywhere that we do social media stuff, including the TikTok. We love the TikTok, especially the Facebook, which we just abuse like a a flower growing in the desert. Like most people who use Facebook. Um, okay, beside that, um, check out Alex's blog, my YouTube channel, video coming soon once I'm over my depression. Um, Daniel's stuff for the hockey writers and former stuff for the eye opener, all that kind of stuff. Um, beside that, is that everything? I feel uh, like I'm forgetting something. Spotify, so. iTunes. Oh, yeah. Every It's not iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts okay. because exactly. it never made sense it was iTunes because it's the same as the music app. Right. Okay, I'm uh, going to go have a steak dinner, guys. Okay, don't shadow uh, ban me, Mark Zuckerberg, please. Exactly. I, I was trying don't to sell my, my information to the Russians. Too late. But then, shh. <laughs> but then, shh.